and we're grateful for that. Well, let's get on to the scripture today. Sermon on the Mount, best sermon ever, Matthew 5, 8, entitled the message, Seeing God. If I don't come to you guys a lot today, it's because of the river, all right? I may get hyper. I got room over here, so sorry, you guys are going to get it today, all right? In 2007, the historic Canadian Mint produced five specially minted gold coins, each worth a fortune. By the way, if you have one of those coins, do not put them in a vending machine. Don't do that. Why so valuable? The coins showcased a tech breakthrough that achieved a never-before level of purity. Are you ready for this? 99.999% percentage pure. They they were and are proudly called five nines gold. You can figure that out. Why? Because of their incredible purity. You see, there is something appealing about purity, whether it is gold, right? Did you ever buy buy something really cheap that was gold and you found out, um, turned green on you and all this other stuff? Not really, right? It's fool's gold, huh? Whether it's the purity of gold The medicines we take, the water we drink, the idea of purity is important to us. But the question today I'd like to ask, now what about our hearts and purity? What about our hearts and purity? Purity is the quality of being faultless, uncompromised, unadulterated, we might say clean. But what about a pure life? Forget gold, forget water, forget medicine or anything else you might be thinking about. What about life? Today we see that purity of heart has an opposite. It's called hypocrisy. You see, many can outwardly fool others. Many can outwardly fool others when it comes to purity. But guess what? No man or woman, boy or girl, can fool God. Nope, they can't. Samuel was looking for a king, found David, but before that was looking at his brothers. You remember the older brothers? 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, as he was looking at an older brother, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, and you know this last phrase, but the Lord sees the heart. Oh, that we might have pure lives in which sin no longer determines the choices we make. Why do we let sin determine our choices? Why instead would we not be pure in heart so sin doesn't have that hold over us? Lord, please change us. So let's look at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to go back to verse 1 again and read through 8. 8 is our focal verse today. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. And verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Let's pray. God, touch us today. Open us up to your word. 
do surgery on our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we remember the greatest teacher who ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus Christ, has the greatest system, the greatest progression that we can imagine when he does this, starting out the Beatitudes here in the Sermon on the Mount. We start with the poor in spirit. Remember, that's spiritual poverty. That means there's no hope of our own, there's no claim of our own, no righteousness of our own. We are poverty-stricken spiritually in our sin, and then that leads us to mourn, mourn specifically over our sin condition, which hopefully leads to true repentance. Yes, we mourn over our world and others' sin, but we must mourn over our sin, and that brings us this true repentance to meekness, which is strength under God's control. And all this develops a hunger, a new appetite. Do you remember that? We begin to hunger and thirst for all of God's righteousness. And as one hungers and thirsts for all of God's righteousness, he or she begins to develop mercy. And we saw that last week. And then today, all of this leads to what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones called, here's a quote, undoubtedly one of the greatest utterances to be found anywhere in the whole realm of holy scripture. What's he talking about? Purity of heart. So let's jump in. Point number one today, what is purity of heart? Well, let's ramble on. I'm going to go this way and this way and this way and this way as we talk about what is purity of heart. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about this in incredible type of commitment. If you'll look at all these chapters, you'll see there's this commitment he's calling for and he's teaching. 624 says, no one can serve two masters. 713 says, the narrow way leads to life and the broad way leads to destruction. And then perhaps one of the most daunting verses in scripture, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus teaches this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, I would say, verse 8, this beatitude, maybe of all beatitudes, calls for extreme self-examination. You see, church, the temptation is present. Right now, today, in this room, this temptation is present. It's present in my life and in your life. I don't care who you are. The temptation is present. What is it? To camouflage selfish ambition and unpure heart with Christian service. Even the guy standing up here preaching would say that. Let me give you one example from Scripture. Just one. There's many. Matthew 23, 25 through 28. You might want to jot that down and ponder that this week. Matthew 25, 23, excuse me, verses 25 through 28. Jesus says this, Woe to you, that's a bad word, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says it again. You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people. You ever been there? 
Put on that mask, come to church. On the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, don't get fired up at me. Jesus said that, not me. Jesus said that. It's just one example of this temptation we have to deal with as we think of purity in heart, purity of heart. See, Jesus raises the issue of motive. He's petitioning us not to serve for the praise of others. Don't, some people do that. Some people will serve if they get the strokes that they need. We're also not to serve out of respect. In my line of vocational ministry, you got to be really careful with that. You don't do it for respect or the position. Jesus petitions us to do it with integrity of heart. That's another word we could use today. It has been said that in Christian service, there are three temptations. Are you ready? So if you are serving, which is virtually most of the people here today, either in VBS or in Sunday school classes later today, or in various things that so many of our folks are serving in, listen, there's three temptations. The first one is the temptation to shine. Let me get up on the platform. Let me lead the meeting. Let me be in front of the class. You see, there's a temptation to shine. I'll serve if, hello. The second temptation is the temptation to whine. That's not Ben Wine we're talking about. That's with an H, W-H-I-N-E. Oh, how do we do that? Oh, I'm serving, but, you know, if I was in charge, I would do it this way. You know, if I was preaching, I would remember to include this. Or, or why did he include that? Or uh, I would have picked a different song. You see the whining there? Or, you know, I would have done VBS in July and not in June. I'm making these things up. Well, am I? Really? I don't know. You know, <laughs> temptation to shine, temptation to whine, and then the worst temptation is the temptation to recline. Hear me, church. Hear me, church. George Carey served in VBS this past week, 88 years young. He's going to kill me for saying that, probably. The Christian does not get to retire from serving in the kingdom. Hear me. It's a great temptation. Maybe the shine is not your thing. Maybe you're not a big whiner, but you sure can become a recliner. And we know what the sedentary life does to us physically, right? Think about what it does to us spiritually. We must join together with brothers and sisters with integrity and pureness of heart and serve. We cannot recline. We cannot retire. Don't do it. I wrote here, don't do it. Be pure in heart. It's that simple. So what does this mean? Let's talk about the word pure for just a moment. Pure simply means unmixed, without alloy. It has a metallic definition in there, without alloy. It means being clean in a spiritual sense when it's used in Scripture. Clean spiritually from the pollution of sin, but also the guilt of sin. To be sincere, to be upright, void of evil. We might say, we may say it this way, blessed are those with unmixed motives. Could we say it that way? So pure, pure in heart. The verse talks about heart. Well, what is the heart? 
We're not talking about the heart hospital. We're not talking about the blood pumper that's in us right now. In the Bible, the heart was the center of personality. Think mind, will, emotions. I'm going to read to you a few verses from Romans just to illustrate those three things. First one is Romans 1.21. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. So thank mind there. Purity in heart, thank mind, first of all. Romans 2.5. Romans 2.5. But because of your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Thank will here. I choose. It's my will. I'll be hard. I'll be unrepentant. Today, there's people here, right here in this room, and watching online who may, if they would let God evaluate and do surgery in their heart, they would find out they've made some choices. They've been hard. They've resisted instead of running to God, running to Jesus. And then Romans 5, 5. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Day 5 of VBS was the ascension of Jesus Christ. And we learned that we were made on purpose. You ready for this? With a purpose. How about that? Yeah, think, think emotions here. The, the seat of emotions is the heart there. He's poured it out in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is in our lives. Here's the problem, though, church. We can define it, but, and we can read these verses, but the problem, according to Scripture, is that our hearts are naturally impure. Did you know that? Your heart is naturally impure. My heart is naturally impure. Jeremiah, just one verse, 17.9, says this. Are you ready for this? I don't like these verses. Can we mark them out in our Bible? No, we can't do that. Every verse is important. Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Ouch. Who can understand that? Well, if you've been saved by Jesus, you can understand that. Because we know the answer, don't we? So what is purity of heart? It's an internal integrity that is expressed in behavior. It is not just behavior. Please don't say that's what it is. No, it starts internally. The in integrity internally. It goes beyond ritual purity. So going to Sunday school class or coming to a corporate worship service, it's great. But that's not what purity in heart is. It is to, think about this, it is to will God's will with all of one's being, with consistency between outward behavior and inward thought. Wow. It's simply an openness. It's an honesty with no hidden motives or self-interests. Psalm 24, read it this week, verses 3 and 4 really, I think, fit right here. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Holy is a cousin word of purity, okay? Who, who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not trust idols or swear by a false god. Let's go on a little bit more with purity in heart. 
John Stott helps us greatly, and he points out that this statement also has to do with something even more than what we've talked about. It also includes singleness. Are you familiar with that term? Singleness of heart, as opposed to a heart that is divided. Can you picture that? A heart that's divided or a heart that has singleness. It is a person who presents true self to God and to people. He reminds us that this shows the opposite of purity of heart is hypocrisy. And here's a quote from him. Their very heart, including their thoughts and motives, is pure, unmixed with anything devious, ulterior, or base. Hypocrisy and deceit are abhorrent to them. They are without guile. Oh, I want to be that guy, don't you? Oh, to be purer in heart. Lord, please help us. Well, let's move on to point number two. How can we have a pure heart? This one's easy. Are you ready? You've got to have to write fast today. This one is easy. How in the world can we have a pure heart? The answer is this. Only God can make us pure. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how many conferences you've been to. I don't care. Fill in the blank. I do care. You know what I'm saying, right? It's preacher talk, okay? Yeah. That doesn't really matter because it's God who makes us pure. Your favorite author cannot make you pure. Your checklist of things to do, not just on Sunday but throughout the week, cannot ultimately make you pure. Those things can be outflowings of God making you pure. Wow. You see, people can turn to ethics, I've seen it, to religion, to asceticism, to passions, to whatever they can turn. And you know what? People turn to all these things, maybe you have sometime in your life, only to discover that your heart is as corrupt at the end of the line as it was at the beginning. David knew this full well. We mentioned Psalm 51 a few weeks back. Psalm 51.10. David pleads with the Lord. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I've got some good news for you today. Only God can make us pure. And here's the second part. God is also willing and able to do this. For all. Remember that word all? For all who believe on Jesus Christ. There's three ways he does this. Number one, God is willing and able to do this judicially. When does that happen? The moment of our salvation, the moment of our transformation, the moment of our regeneration, God does this judicially. Secondly, he does it practically during the moments of our earthly life as we yield to the gentle urging of his Holy Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment, God can do that. He can be doing his purifying work in our life as we submit to his Spirit living within us judicially, practically. And number three, he will do it finally and completely, that's the word, think about it, in the moment of our death as we're brought into his holy presence. We sung about that this morning, didn't we? So the questions today are these. Will we strive to please him? Will we yield to him to do his work? Or will we continue to try to do it our own way? Why don't you think about your desire for a minute? Deep down, remember, not on the outside, inside, deep down. Listen to Proverbs 4:23. Guard 
your heart. Guard means to protect, to watch over by diligent obedience. It's a very, very active word. Guard your heart above all else with all diligence. Why? For it is the source of life, mind, will, emotions. Another verse about our desire, James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will do what? You remember? Draw near to you. Cleanse, there's another word for purity. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. And then Jesus speaks in Luke 10, 37 and quotes scripture. Jesus answered and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then the great Psalm 119 that talks about the word of God in every verse says this, Psalm 119, 11, you know it, your word or thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we're getting there. We're seeing that, yes, it can happen, and God is the one who, who does this. He is the agent who does this. If you're still not convinced, let me share, you, share with you three more things that might help you. Number one, it's God's will for you. This verse is God's will for you. Do you remember Romans 12, 1 and 2? Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, there's that word, and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be active, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. It's God's will for you, for this to develop in your life, for him to work in your life, to be pure in heart. Secondly, it's a command of God. It's a flat-out command. 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, are you ready for this? This is scripture quoting scripture. You must be holy because I am holy. It's a command. Third, uh, being pure in heart, it allows for usefulness in the kingdom. Usefulness in God's kingdom. Second Timothy Chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver bowls, but there's also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be... Are you ready for the promise? If you're pure in heart, here it comes. He will be a special instrument set apart useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Maybe you feel stuck in your Christian service. Maybe you haven't shared the gospel with anyone lately. Maybe you're like me, and you shared the gospel a number of times, and yet you've not been able to lead anyone to the Lord. We had all these children saved, and I get a, I, I, I'm counseling this kid, and this kid has already been gloriously saved. I'm like, come on, Lord. Whatever it is. We don't want to be stuck. We want to be useful. How do we be useful? Pure in heart, we become that special instrument. So number three, what does it mean to see God? That's the last part of the verse. There's two wonderful promises made to those who are pure in heart. The first one involves today. Number one is today, right now. Right now, those who are pure in heart see God. Right now. Wait a minute. 
That's not what we sang just a minute ago. No, we see God by faith right now. Do some of you do? Can you relate to that? Seeing God right now by faith. 1 Corinthians 13, we know that great passage in the first part of verse 12. It says, we see through a glass darkly or dimly. We, we see God, but it, it, it's, it's, it's this way. It's through faith. I, I would say it this way. We see God as we're pure in heart right now, but not completely yet. And the second thing, of course, is in eternity we will see completely. The pure in heart will see God, as we sung today, face to face in eternity. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then, then I will know fully as I am fully known. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says this. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. Aren't you glad? Boy, I'm glad. There's got to be a better version of Lamar coming. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, who has believed, Christians, everyone who has his hope in him purifies himself or herself just as he is pure. Wow. We don't need to be convinced, do we? This is something that we desperately need. This is something of great benefit. This is something that will align and calibrate our lives the way that God wants it. One of the most miserable things that I know of, I've experienced it, and I've counseled many people is, is being a Christian, a true Christian, but the inside is not like the outside. Hello? It is, that is miserable life. We know the good we ought to do, but yet we don't do it. What does the Bible say? That's sin. God, help us to contemplate these few verses, this one verse. Just these words and what it means. I want to close in this way with a kind of provocative, thought-provoking quote from C.S. Lewis. He does that, doesn't he? C.S. Lewis. Listen to this. You got, he writes eloquently, so um, pay attention. We are afraid that heaven is a bribe and that if we make it our goal, we shall no longer be disinterested. It is not so. Heaven offers nothing that a mercenary soul can desire. And here it is. It is safe to tell the pure in heart that they shall see God, for only the pure in heart want to. Think about that for a minute. And I would ask you today, how's your want to? If your want to is not very good, perhaps you're not a Christian. Or perhaps you are deep into unconfessed sin and are not willing to be right with the Lord. What's our one-to like? Do you, have, do you desire this for your life? Do you even have a relationship with the Lord? Have you turned from your sin and ran to Him and asked Him to forgive you your sin and to save you, but more than that, to be your boss, your Lord? Have you done that? I want to close in this way. I want to read to you. I share God's rescue plan in every service, but I want to read scripture today that shows 
a different way to look at the gospel. It's Titus 3, 5 through 8. You might want to ponder this. Titus 3, 5 through 8. Think about God. Think about Jesus right now. He saved us. He saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out this Spirit on us abundantly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed God, did you catch that? This is scripture. So that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. Wow. That's the gospel. God wants to come rescue you, wants to come into your life. It is what he does. It is everything about what he does. We simply, by faith, he gives us the faith. We believe. We trust. We turn. Have you done that? Why not today? What a travesty for 27 children to accept Christ as their Savior and to have adults not do it. Wow. What about you today? What about you watching online today? You need to do this. And for those who have, let us purpose here today to be recalibrated. Right? You want your automobile to be calibrated correctly, don't you? Yeah? You want all the algorithms and stuff that deals with banking? You didn't even know that was going on probably, right? You want those all to line up correctly, right? You know, your investments or you want the numbers in your bank account to be correct, don't you? How about we ask, Lord, recalibrate me from the inside out. Do your work of purification in my life. Lord, I'm grateful that I know you. I have a relationship with you, and I will see you face to face. And right now, Lord, do your work in my life so I can see you by faith right now. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to open your word. And even in just a few words, we see you, God. We see who you are. We see what you can do in our lives. God, help us to get rid of any temptation that might be affecting us right now. Help us to be the one who purifies himself just as you are pure. God, do your work in us. Whatever stronghold is in our life, God, would you help us to commit it to you and see you, the great chain breaker, Obliterate that stronghold in our life. And God, whatever is holding us back on the inside to do your work, would you do a work? Would you do heart surgery in our lives that we might live in such a way that we can tell others of 
about the hope that we have in Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.